Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com. I Work, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Super big thanks go out to Jose Cruz and his whole team. He's got it. He has his own cheering team in there in the studio with him today. He'll be engineering the show today and taking your calls a little later on. Hey, go out to iWorkForHim.com. There's a couple things out there I'd like you to do. Over the weekend, we had a couple of people join the I Work For Him Nation. The I Work For Him Nation is a place for you and me to go and make a commitment amongst believers and to our Heavenly Father that says, listen, I want to make a difference in my workplace. I want to start praying for my coworkers and employees by name each and every day. I want to see what the Lord can do as I learn to serve the people that I work with, as I learn to befriend the people that I work with. And looking for ways to pray with people, but all along being a person of excellence. That's what it means to be a member of the I Work For Him Nation. Go out to iWorkForHim.com. That's iWork, the number four, Him.com. And join the I Work For Him Nation. But it does take a paradigm shift in our minds as we consider, really, what does it mean to be a Christ follower? I see people struggle with it all the time. And and I when I say that, I see myself struggling with it every hour of every day as I as I learn to rely more and more on the Holy Spirit in my life. I had a conversation today with a good buddy of mine, and I just reminded him, listen, the Lord knows exactly about your situation. He knows needs he knows exactly what you should be doing. Why don't you ask him instead of me? I mean, not that God couldn't use me in some way, but I knew that this situation just needed them to take a step of faith. And each and every day, that's what our Heavenly Father wants. He wants us to just sit down, be quiet, and listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying because the Holy Spirit is our unfair advantage in the marketplace. He is our unfair advantage in life. Jesus said, listen, i got to get out of here because I'm going to send a counselor. I'm going to send a mentor. I'm going to send... The Holy Spirit, and He's going to come on you, and you're going to be able to do things even more incredible than me. When was the last time you did something more incredible than Jesus? Well, maybe you haven't been taking advantage of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's the paradigm shift we need to go through. That's the paradigm shift I'm working on each and every day. You know, Identity and Destiny, they're longtime sponsors of I Work For Him. They're huge... Just their their workbook that we've gone through, Identity and Destiny Workbook, which now they call Finding Your God-Given Sweet Spot. This is the most powerful, biblically-based workbook I've ever been in my entire life. And we, br- we bring them on every month because there's something deeper we need to dig into. And today with Tom and Pam Wolf, we're going to talk about resilience. If you remember the last couple of months, we talked about personality. And Pam said, well, that's your DNA. That comes, that's part of your original equipment from the manufacturer, our heavenly father. 
But resilience, it's different. Tom and Pam Wolf, welcome back to I Work For Him. Thank you, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Good to see you. Good to be here. So talk to me about, um, as you look at uh, resilience, how is it different than personality? Pam, I loved your explanation last time we were on there, so I'll let you do it again. It, it the, the personality is what we call factory installed. Um, God gave us that. It's our DNA. We can adapt it for circumstances um, to be more effective in communication, but we're wired the way we're wired. When it comes to resilience, resilience is a learned skill. The good news about resilience is it can be learned. It can be modified. It can be improved. It's like a muscle. You build it with practice. Tom, as you think about resilience and compare it to personality, what's your take on that? Well, there's a lot of talk out there now about emotion quotient. And emotion quotient is the ability to deal with other people. And they're saying that's more important than IQ. They call it EQ, emotion quotient, EQ. So EQ is now more important than IQ for success in business, for success in life. And a lot of companies now are starting to measure it, evaluate people's EQ. And that's really what this resilience concept is it's your ability to respond to other people in a way that's acceptable and appropriate and has a positive impact on them. So really, when you look at the news of today, we're constantly hearing people struggling with resilience, the idea of resilience, because there's so much pent up tension. And when anything pops, people are exploding instead of trying to work through it. And then there's some people poking and prodding along the way. How do you as you look at today's current events going on, how do you apply, how do you see emotion quotient or resilience as part of that, Tom? Well, uh, what uh, the disc, which we've talked about, which is behavioral profile, is how you respond to situations and how you uh, communicate with people. It's your communication style, behavioral style. The resilience is how you think. It gets down to your belief systems. So if you look at what's going on today, some people have developed some stinking thinking in their beliefs, and that's why they do the things that they do. They respond the way they respond. So really, we have to choose our beliefs carefully. And obviously, the foundational source that we need to go to to choose our beliefs is the Scripture. And resilience is a way to identify what some of those beliefs are and where we have faulty thinking. Tom and Pam, as we just step back from it, we're going to talk about resilience today, but I want to give people a chance to really get to know you guys. So here's a question. You guys just got back from family vacation. It wasn't anything like the movie, right? No. Okay, no. good. Okay. It was good. all good. <laughs> <laughs> so there weren't any ants on the seat, on the, the roof of the station wagon. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. All right. So how did you see the Lord working on the intimate details? You guys had all that whole week with all the kids, grandkids. I like to hear how people recognize God working in those finite, intimate details of their lives. Did you see any of God's hand at work while you're on vacation? Uh, Yeah, we see God all the time. I know um, when we have seven grandchildren and uh, our three children and their spouses, there's always uh, a little trepidation about there being a week of peace, (laughs) a week where nobody gets sideways, nobody gets on anybody's nerves to the point that there's any crosswords and this was year number six for us. And no, we, no EMS visits? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no children hurt. Yeah, we, as we're getting older, we're kind of concerned about that, the jet skiing and that kind of thing. But um, we just saw God keep peace in everybody's hearts. There was, there was a couple little situations that could have inflamed into something. 
Um, but in one case in particular, God gave me the opportunity to speak into a couple people's lives, and they were able to talk it out and thanked me the next day for that. So I praise God. That is cool. And on a family vacation, no tense, no, not too many tense moments on a family vacation. That's, I know, pretty amazing. It is pretty Amazing good. grace. It is. It is. Now, you guys, do you guys go somewhere fun for vacation? Lake Oconee, Georgia. Lake. And we had a house right on the lake, and the kids got to fish off the dock every day. And Now, is that one of the Tennessee Valley Authority lakes? Um, I know it's part of the, it goes up through Tennessee and all that. It's a huge, huge lake. So wow. yeah. Very cool. We yeah. jet skied, we Kayaked. kayaked. We rented a, one of those pontoon boats. We had a paddleboard. Uh, paddleboards. Uh, kids did fishing. We had uh, s'mores by a fire pit. It was like guys did some golfing. Yeah, the girls did a spa day. <laughs> Ooh, I'm not sure which I'd like to go on more. I don't know. It's too hot to play golf this time of year. All right. So just tell the audience. There's a lot of people tuning in today that are going, Jim. I've never heard of Identity and Destiny. Why do you act like I already know? Let's just tell them what Identity and Destiny is all about. Don't fight. Who's going to go first? Tom, go ahead. Tom. Uh, (laughs) Identity and Destiny is basically a workbook that answers the question, who am I and why am I here through God's eyes? Not through your own, not through your parents, not through society, but through God, how he sees you and why he created you, what what the work that the Holy Spirit wants to do in the world through you. They're the kind of questions that everybody should be asking and desirous of having the answers. And this is a tool to guide a person to get those answers. Well, it is true. Everybody is asking those questions. They don't necessarily get them to the cognitive right out front level, but they're all asking it because of their behaviors. I mean, right. you just they're all trying to seek out what, what, what it is. Pam, as, as you guys have started to get people to know all about identity and destiny across the nation, what do you see the response as? As people start going through the the, the this workbook, this manual, I, I just it's like a manual on life. I mean, here's how God created me to be. I am unique. This is my this is a picture of who I am. What do you how do you see people responding? Uh, there's a couple key things that come out of it, and God does it in different ways with each person. But one of the core things that we see happen over and over again is people discover who they are through God's eyes, is they begin to believe sometimes for the first time, that they're okay just the way God made them. They've Mm. gotten a lot of bad messaging. They've tried to compare themselves to other people. The world has put them down. They finally have the freedom to say, I really am okay just the way God made me. I'm going to run with that. And so that is just a powerful thing. The other is we see a lot of people who have had very painful circumstances uh, in their lives, sometimes completely beyond their control, sometimes by the choices they've made. But whatever it is, they begin to think that they're damaged goods and God could not use them. What this helps them realize is there is purpose in everything, including their pain. And I would even say for for myself and many others, we've come to believe that our pain is often God, God can use that so that we can then speak into the lives and serve other people who are walking that same road that but for that circumstance or experience, we'd have no ability to do it. And you do see God use those tough circumstances that other people have gone through, whether it was their own doing or or whether it was a circumstance that was done to them. Mm -hmm. But God never wastes an experience. Mm -mm. No, Mm -mm. Mm -mm. He really doesn't. All right, so how do people get a copy, Tom? All they have to do is go to uh, identityanddestiny.com. And uh, click on a purchase, and they'll get it shipped to them. And it's how much? Twenty bucks. Just twenty bucks. And let's just say somebody wants a little help getting through. They get they get past week four, 
and they get stuck. Because week getting up to week four, pretty easy to do. Week five starts the, I mean the the connection, the implementation part of it. How, how what else do you guys have to offer if people need a little help along the way? We have um, been led by the Lord to train. Um, at, we're at I think about a hundred and forty other coaches, literally around the world from Barbados to Kenya, from California to New York, um, who are trained facilitators in the process. And um, we can find just the right fit, or Tom and I still do some of that coaching as well. So it's really, I mean, I I always get stymied by words because I'm telling you, listeners, if you haven't gone out and bought a copy of Identity and Destiny, the Finding Your God-Given Sweet Spot workbook you need to do it when you get home tonight go to identityanddestiny.com i am i money back guarantee i guarantee you personally my money and i'm not making this is this is i didn't write the book tom and pam did i personally guarantee that your life will never be the same if you go through all eight weeks of this workbook impossible so here's the good news jim We've been selling the book now for five years. It was published in 2011. Okay. We have never had anybody ask for their money back. <laughs> well, they, they wouldn't, but they actually finish oh, it. Yeah. If they finish it, they're going to like, I'm never going to be the same. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. So, Tom, I know you're the analytical, you're a deeply analytical guy. And in this assessment or in this workbook, in the Identity and Destiny workbook, which you call Finding Your God-Given Sweet Spot, how many different assessments are there in there? There's about 30 different assessments and questionnaires. And these assessments help us find out what? Just say it again. I know you said it a few minutes ago. Uh, Find out how we think, how we communicate, uh, what our core values are, what our spiritual gifts are, what our passions are, uh, what some of their limiting beliefs, uh, what some of the blocks are in their life. Uh, It's a way to really do a a self-diagnostic self-diagnostic and really understand what makes you tick and how you're wired and uh, some tools on how to uh, uh, change those, improve those, to move forward in life the way God wants you to. Yeah, And it really just helps you understand who God created you to be. I mean, mm-hmm. and th- what did he build you? I mean, because each one of us is unique in God's eyes, and but this helps you get a picture for yourself because a lot of people don't really know who they are because right. they don't take this actually helps people sit down, be quiet and learn about themselves, which a lot of people you guys talked about on the last show how, how one time you guys at, at one of your family gatherings, you made people take the disc test. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people don't sit down and even understand their own personality, let alone all of these other assessments that you built in here. Right. Right. It's really enlightening. Most people are really shocked when they look at it all in one one place. One of these sections, one of these assessments is the the assessments on resilience. I know it's the resilience questionnaire. And I've told you, and I've told you this since 2013 when we first met, that's the one that stumbled me up because I thought I was a pretty great guy. And then I go through resilience. I know I'm still created in God's image. I'm not saying that. But I realized that there was still a lot of work for the Lord to do in my life because of how I scored in resilience. Pam, why don't you give us that definition for what resilience really is? Resilience gives you an ability to measure how you overcome, bounce back, and steer through mainly adversity. How are you going to respond? And and it's a it's a learned skill that is learned based on the experiences you've had in life and how you've chosen to respond to those. Sometimes we act in a resilient way, meaning like we bounce back, we can steer through it, we can overcome it. 
But then there come what some people consider the body slams of life, those tough ones that were just not resilient enough. And they tend to come in threes. Uh Oh, they do. And if you're not in one, you're coming out of one and you're fixing to go back into one probably somewhere down the road because it's the cycle of life. And so what you can do is as you're moving through those circumstances that are requiring a higher level of resilience is to take that as an opportunity to learn how to do it better so that you can have a resilient upward response to whatever's going on in life rather than what turns out to be post-traumatic stress disorder. The the downward lack of resilient response is actually post-traumatic stress. When we come back, I really want to get into some specific examples so people can see, okay, this is exactly what we're talking about. Because not everybody, I mean, people think of PTSD as a response from people that have gone off and served in wars. And now we're understanding it's obviously people that have been involved in very tragic circumstances in lots of different parts of their lives, including divorce. I mean, I have seen it in divorce. Financial struggles. I mean, lots of things. Yeah. Tom and Pam, as we look at that some specific examples, Tom. Off the air, you were you were really describing it very, very well in kind of a, in a short, succinct way. Why don't you just describe how the measure of somebody's resilience? I mean, with regard to like a tragic uh, experience. Well, people go through some kind of tragic tragic experience, like the death of a loved one or a diagnosis with a serious disease, uh, maybe even downsizing. Okay, and. How does a person respond to that? They have to process it. They have to grieve. It doesn't take that away. But then they don't get stuck. And we've all known people who get stuck and can't move forward. The resilient person picks things up where they are after they've processed and grieved, and then they start to move forward with their life, and they go positive and forward from there. And Pam, you said that that was the important part, that we recognize that resilience isn't people that just don't deal with what they've had to deal with. They they deal with it and then move on. Go That's ahead. correct. Yeah, you do have to take the time to really um, process the experience and own it. And usually, the ones that are uh, that can can take you down and keep you down are the ones that maybe this is the first time you faced anything nearly that um, critical, dramatic, hurtful, uh, or painful in your life. Um, and you know, there have been times in in Tom and I's lives where we're thinking, okay, like this is probably we hope as bad as it's going to get, and then <laughs> you said that you know, out loud. Yeah, and then like a year later, like the the next uh, thing happens, and you're like, man, we we thought we'd sort of dealt with the hard stuff, and now we're dealing with something that we just we weren't really prepared for in that moment. But because thankfully we've been students of resilience now for some time, we know enough to know that it's okay to go down in that place of hurt for a little while. But we want to go back and look at the things that can pull us back up and move us forward so that we can believe in the character of the God that we serve, that when he says, I will weave all things together for good, that he will do it. Tom. Uh, I have to note that uh, this particular resilience concept we've taken from a book called The Resilience Factor by Karen Ravitch and Andrew Shate, two PhDs at the University of Pennsylvania. And what we've done is taken that book and pulled it all the core information and summarized it into the about 10 pages that we have in our workbook here. When you look at biblical resilience, people that have had to bounce back. So I suppose Job would be a good example of somebody who had some resilience. Excellent. Amen. Amen. Our pastor was just just preaching in Job this weekend, and it's um, right after everything was taken from him. His, his first response was to shave his head, tear his robe, 
and to fall on his face and worship God. And he said, naked I came from the womb. I guess naked I'm going to return. Yep. Yep. And, And so that's, there are, as I went through this, we understand that there's seven areas of resilience, seven, right. seven ways really that describe it. And, and then seven different ways that we can actually respond. All right, Tom and Pam, let's go through these seven areas of resilience. I'm not sure how to ask the questions the best, but I'll figure it out as we go. So what are these seven areas and how does that help us understand resilience? Tom, start us off. Well, the seven areas are emotion, regulation, impulse control, optimism, causal analysis, empathy, self-efficacy, and reaching out. And these are all areas that we all have, and it basically evaluates them, breaks them down into a rating, and gives you areas of understanding that you might want to address because they all go to basic belief systems. All right, let's describe each area, though, so people really understand what we're talking about. Because it's tough. Some people are driving. Some people are listening to this. Some people don't have a pad and pen to write down stuff. So the first one you said was emotion regulation. Right. So Emotion regulation is the ability to stay calm under pressure, to control their emotions. And uh, that's like we talked about before when somebody cuts you off on the highway. How do you respond? Do you pull out your Glock or do you pray for the person who just cut you off? Very nobody listening to this program is pulling out their Glock. No, seriously. Uh, But it is, that's that's a tough one, especially where we live, because I've just recently I was riding with people from Indiana and and they said, Jim, it really is stupid crazy to drive down here. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't believe the drivers. And we were driving up I-75 this weekend from Naples and I'm doing 75 in the right lane, just staying out of people's way. And people are going flying by at 95 and 100. He goes, Jim, doesn't anybody obey the speed limit? I'm like, I'm not obeying the speed limit, but I'm not doing 100. He goes, people, why? But it's the cutting off thing. I mean, yeah. people have disregard. Okay, so emotion regulation, be able to keep your stay calm under pressure. Okay, Pam, impulse control. What's that about? Impulse control is the ability to delay gratification or desires. And it means that you can stop before you act. And, and really, emotion regulation and impulse control are the two big daddies, and they work together. Because emotion regulation doesn't mean that you don't have emotions. But emotion regulation is the ability to slow down long enough, exercise some impulse control, so that you don't act without forethought. That you don't pray before you do something crazy. So The, the key ahead. to these two things is what at least what my mother taught me, and I hope that other mothers are continuing to teach it, they always said, count to 10 before you respond or do anything. And that's really what these two things, the emotion control and impulse control or emotion regulation are saying. Can you take that nanosecond and stop and think, how do I react to this? Do I respond to this impulse? Do I or don't I? And how would God want me to respond to this? So count to 10 before you do or say anything is really the key to it. Sometimes I have to count to 100. Yeah. And, and you know, I think that's why in the Word it says, hide, your, hide my word in your heart that mm-hmm. you would not sin against me. Because in that counting to 10, if you can recall a scripture that's going to bring you back and center you in a place of peace, then you have a sustained ability to be wise. Oh, and that's really what James is talking about. Be quick to listen. Yeah. Slow to speak. Yeah. Slow to become angry. I just happen to be part of the opposite crowd. Mm-hmm. Be quick to speak. No, <laughs> sl- quick to become angry and slow to listen. Yeah, right. that, that one. All right. So 
So both emotion regulation, impulse control, things really just count to 10. That that will help us in those areas. The next one is optimism. And we're going to talk about that when we come back from the break. Because if people are thinking, well, I'm a pretty optimistic person. Yet there are a lot of people out there that struggle with pessimism. And, and, and really because... And it depends on what you fill in your head with all the time. I find people are way more pessimistic if they watch the news every night, mm-hmm. because because they that's all they want to they make it they want it to sound like the world is coming to an end, which it is, but not today. All right, you're listening to I Work for Him with your host Jim Brangenberg. We're talking with Tom and Pam Wolf from identityanddestiny.com, identityanddestiny.com, and today we're talking about resilience and the seven areas of resilience. And that's just well, Pam, use your definition again on describing resilience. It is the ability to overcome, bounce back, and steer through adversity, pain, and unexpected circumstances. Every one of us has failed to be resilient in certain situations. Mm -hmm. But this is something you said we can learn. Yes. And 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 it's something our Heavenly Father absolutely loves to restore and refresh in us. Mm -hmm. And you look at the disciples, the description, I mean, the disciples and how they reacted. How did Peter react when Jesus got arrested? And then he lied, and the rest of them all ran. And then Peter, when he when he got arrested the next time, how did he react that time? His resilience factor was significantly changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, so you've talked right before the break about emotion regulation and impulse control. Talk to me about optimism, Pam. Optimism is about your ability to see the future as relatively bright, which kind of seems obvious on its on its face, but. It also has to do with the belief that you can positively influence the world around you. And what ability do you have to do that? And, you know, as the days, um, if if you're watching the news, um, just take last week as an example. Uh, It was a pretty dark time. And I think what was so uplifting to me was to see how many people chose a resilient response to that, to go and gather and to come together and to... Um, believe that there still is a future for this nation um, with all of us coming together. And that was that was our nation showing its resilience at its core with its people. And unfortunately, that's not the first time in, you know, 15 years. That's the 15th or 20th time. I, I mean, that's that's the amazing our resilience part. is being tested constantly, constantly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, we'd like to open up the phone lines. Tom and Pam want to open up the phone lines. If you've got a question about resilience or about what identity and destiny can help you understand about yourself, call into the studio line. If you'd like to talk to Tom or Pam Wolf, 877-943-9673, 877-943-9673. Jose is standing by. Nope, he's sitting by, but he can still take your phone call, 877-943-9673. All right, causal analysis. Tom, that's a big, that's that's like a 12-letter sentence. Yeah. What, what well, is it all about, though? All it talks about is uh, looking at a problem or an issue and then being able to accurately diagnose where the responsibility lies and breaks down. So the examples I like to use to uh, explain this is uh, teenagers. Anybody who's had a teenager knows that at one extreme, they're not responsible for everything, anything. They don't take responsibility for a single thing. Oh, it wasn't my fault. I didn't do it. It was my sister. Oh, it was my friends. I just happened to be at the wrong place. I didn't do anything wrong. The other extreme is those people that you know where they take responsibility for everything. Oh, I'm always in trouble. I always get the dirty end of the stick. I'm, I'm the person who uh, doesn't get a break in life. They're the two ends of the spectrum. None of that is reality. Reality is 
we all have to take a certain amount of responsibility for the situation that we experience. And there's other people who are responsible too. Being able to break that down accurately is really a key to being resilient. And sometimes that helps, that that requires other people to get involved in the conversation. I mean, sometimes people cannot deal with that causal analysis without getting help. Right. I mean, it's people that have been abused as children, uh, rape victims, a lot of times they blame themselves for something that they were a victim of. Absolutely, Correct. absolutely. And when I first took this, this is where I scored the lowest. And it was because of some childhood wounding. And what I had not learned was how to set and hold proper boundaries. So anyone who struggles in this area to begin to do some work on really understanding what your boundaries need to be, how to effectively communicate those and how to stand in them in a healthy and appropriate way is um, it will raise your scores dramatically as it has mine over the years. Putting a boundary around those people who are toxic in your life are so important. But there's a boundaries book for everyone out there. Boundaries for marriage, boundaries for children, boundaries, boundaries for grandparents. I I don't know. Cloud and Townsend, all their stuff is awesome. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So empathy. Here's one that I struggle with. Oh, I'm not. a. I could talk about that. Oh, really? You tell me you can't struggle with. That's right. (laughs) Empathy and mercy must go together. He doesn't score real high in this area. So why don't you help the two of us out right here? Pam says that my definition of empathy is suck it up and get over it. Well, sometimes that's an appropriate response, I think, personally. Hey, if you've got a question for Tom and Pam about resilience or about identity and destiny, you can call into the studio line at 877-943-9673. 877-943-9673. All right, so Pam, talk about empathy please help so seriously (laughs) on a serious note here we were being dead serious we struggle with this yeah i know Uh, it is an ability to read the emotional and psychological cues of another person it means they don't necessarily have to be talking but you really can begin to feel sense and read those cues from other people and then respond appropriately i mean it's um Tom and I will be in a in a public situation at a party or at a, a business event, and um, I will read into that and then be able to ask questions or speak into it with someone, and we'll be riding home, and he'll say, so how was so-and-so? And I'll begin to tell all this story, and he's like, how did you get all that? <laughs> you know, I, I read the cues, and I stepped into it. And so um, as it, it's a learned skill, and um, although... You guys say you struggle. Well, um, no, we, yeah, I, I definitely struggle. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think I th- it. I think it is something that can be learned. Oh no, I've seen the Lord working it. I just know mm-hmm. that I used. To, I mean, it used to be the mm-hmm. suck it up and get over it response, <laughs> and then I realized that that wasn't Jesus's approach. And again, as mm-hmm. I start to understand that we all experience God differently, mm-hmm. all seven billion of us on this planet. Then all of a sudden, that's very humbling when I think, well, I already knew the answer. And like, no, Jim, you didn't really know the answer to that one. So empathy is something that it's learned, and that is something that's that's great. Just like, to me, it was more emotional regu- emotion regulation and impulse control. Those are the things that I really scored low in. Mm-hmm. Empathy, I didn't score super low in, but it wasn't my high one. Mm-hmm. All right, what, what about self-efficacy? 
Tom. Self-efficacy is basically, it means effectiveness of yourself, having confidence. And I see a lot of people who lack confidence. And it's the ability to sit back and say, okay, we've got some challenges ahead of us. This is not going to be easy. This is a hill we have to climb. But I've got the confidence in my ability to make this happen, to overcome it, to work through the problems. And a lot of people lack that kind of confidence in their ability to move forward. So this is looking at that from a standpoint of being effective in the world, dealing with the problems and the issues and being able to overcome them and not getting stuck. Well, and I think as we look at the workplace, as, as we plug ourselves into the workplace, understanding these areas of resilience is so important. Because people are, if anybody finds out you're a Christ follower, they're watching you. You bet. I mean, they're they're watching you like a hawk, because they want to know. Okay, are you really? Is it really making a difference in your life? Because if it really is, they want to know more. But if it really isn't, they're like, well, whatever. You're right. just a hypocrite. So, under- you, you talk about work. Let's look at it this way: emotion control, emotion regulation. All of you who are listening, have you ever seen anybody lose at work, get really angry? So what's your response to that? What's your reaction? Do you sit back and go, wow, they're really a tough person? No, you go, what's wrong with that jerk? I've lost respect. Uh, Impulse control, Christmas parties, people drink too much. They (laughs) overcome their resilience to control their impulses. And what happens? They lose their job. They lose respect. People go, what's going on with this person? How can they act like that? This is all getting back to that interrelational type of action that we share and being able to be, like I said, EQ, emotion quotient. What is their emotion quotient? Can they regulate themselves? Can they control their impulses? And and another place for self-efficacy that I think is really important in the workplace is understanding what a coach taught us not uh, too many years ago, and that is you will fail your way to success. So self-efficacy is believing in your ability to succeed, but that's in the face of the fact that probably half of what we try in this world will not work. It's just teaching us what isn't going to work so we can figure out what does. Well, and, and the process never ends. All no. the way to the, our deathbed, we're going to be trying things that don't necessarily work. Right. And, and we'll have more and more things that don't work if we don't ask our Heavenly Father, what should we be doing? Yes. And, and understanding who we are <laughs> and who God created us to be and what he created us to be doing eliminates a lot of those false starts. Yeah, that's why identity and, and destiny is, That's why identity <laughs> and destiny is so important, right, Tom? Oh yeah. I mean, I'm a classic example. I got bad advice from somebody to say, go study accounting. I worked in the accounting world. Nothing wrong with being an accountant, but it wasn't for me. Big mistake. And uh, that's a square peg in a round hole or round peg in a square hole, whatever you want to call it. But uh, knowing those types of things about yourself can save you a lot of false starts and mistakes. So that's why you should get a copy of Identity and Destiny. Finding your God-given sweet spot. Go out to their website, identityanddestiny.com. I'm telling you, if I could buy everybody listening today, and there's fifteen or 20,000 of you listening every month, if I could buy every one of you one of these, I would. I can't. So you need to go out to identityanddestiny.com, pay the 20 bucks, and watch your life be changed. Like Pam and I said, it's a money-back guarantee. If you go through all eight weeks... You're never going to be the same because everybody who meets Jesus, their lives are never the same again. All right. So these seven areas of resilience, emotion regulation, impulse control, optimism, causal analysis, sounds very serious, empathy, self-efficacy, but the last one, reaching out. What's that one about, Pam? It is measuring um, how comfortable you are with taking risks 
in different or unknown circumstances. So some people think they're pretty pretty good at that, but often only in the things that they're familiar with or comfortable with. Reaching out says, I'm willing to do kind of that new thing, that thing that maybe I've decided I really don't like to do. Um, when we teach um, a, a lot of, of things around uh, sales and marketing, when we talk about having to go to networking events, I can't tell you how many people say, I am so not doing that. And we're like, well, if you want to get connected in the community, if you want to let people know what you do and you want to get new clients, then we suggest that we do a little work on what your, your mindset is about reaching out in a networking event. It's tough one, though, isn't it, Tom? I mean, well, yeah, I mean, reaching out is basically getting out of your comfort zone. And uh, my favorite saying or one of them is uh, comfort zone is a nice place to visit, but not a place to live. <laughs> there you go. You heard it from the expert. We're talking today with Tom and Pam Wolf from identityanddestiny.com. 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 Go home tonight. Go immediately to that website. Do not pass go. Don't put the coffee maker on. Don't fill in an ice cream cone up. Go to identityanddestiny.com. Get the benefit of all three of those. It'll be the best ice cream cone you've ever eaten, the best cup of coffee you've ever had. It's unbelievable, but it will change your life. Identityanddestiny.com. Tom and Pam, I picked out the script that I was going to read at the beginning of the show today, but I didn't get it down. But as I look at it, as we've talked about resilience, this is the scriptural de- description of resilience. Right. First, uh, Second Corinthians 4, 8 through 10, and then finish it up 16 through 18. We are pressed down on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Though suffering Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be seen in our bodies. Going on to say, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. How does that tie that in to our conversation on resilience? I think what it really is saying is uh, bouncing back, overcoming. doesn't matter what happened. And, uh, you know, if you really have absorbed the beliefs and the teachings and renewed your mind with the Scripture and you've taken that into your heart and your brain, then your belief systems are in proper perspective and you'll score pretty well on resilience. Uh, if you haven't, this is a way to find out. So, and, and Pam, as you listen to that scripture, and when I read it off the air, you're like, well, that's, a, that's good. It really describes it. How does that scripture, what does that scripture speak to you? Um, I think it speaks to the fact that um, crushed but not destroyed means we do go down for the count. I mean, it, it's when, when you get that next big thing that what came, came out of the blue unexpected, no matter how resilient you are, there's going to be a go down for a moment kind of, kind of time. But then you have a choice to make. Are you, gonna, are you going to respond the way that scripture says? Are you going to say, I may be down, but I'm not crushed. I am not destroyed. I am not going to stay down on the map forever. And, and I think the best way to do it is to find scripture like that and to read it and to renew your mind, to renew your heart, because God can build resilience into you through the power of his word and the promises that are in his word. That's the beauty of the restoration that we experience once we've given our lives to Christ. Tom and Pam, thanks for a great conversation today. 
It, awesome. Our pleasure. It, it was a tough one, but I really enjoyed it. And I'm hoping that you, as you're listening today, heard from our hearts that we haven't got this all figured out. We all struggle with resilience in one form or fashion. But this is something that our Heavenly Father can fix. This is one of those things that the answer is Jesus and that he came to restore all things. And this is one of those things. So when you get home today, go out to identityanddestiny.com. Do yourself a favor. Get a copy of this tonight. Get it in the mail to you right away. Identityanddestiny.com. Hey, also, when you get home today, after you've bought your copy of Identity and Destiny, go out to I Work For Him and join the I Work For Him nation. Because if you're going to make the commitment to go through Identity and Destiny, you should also make that commitment to joining the I Work For Him nation and start praying for your coworkers and employees by name. You know, we learned today that our faith is impacted by our resilience. And when people are watching how we respond to tough situations, people will be inspired to say, hey, Jim, what is it about your faith that makes it so different than those other people I know who call themselves Christians? That's an opportunity to share what Jesus has done in your life. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower and I own my own business, but ultimately, I work for him. For him.